Welcome to this latest edition of the First Voice podcast, brought to you by First Voice magazine, the official flagship magazine of the Federation of Small Businesses, and the go-to podcast for news, tips, and important information for small businesses. In this episode, we will be looking at how you can protect your small business against falling victim to a cyber attack. Uh, research shows that a majority of small businesses Cybercrime starts with human error. In fact, just over half of cyber attacks on small businesses are the result of employees clicking on links in phishing emails, while more than one in three are the result of malware getting into digital systems. Uh, and there are plenty of other threats too. And while we've often heard many of these terms uh, and the terms relating to IT protection and cyber attacks, often we don't have a clear understanding of how these things really occur uh, or how to stop them. So today we will do two things. We will go back to basics, providing a clear guide to some of the IT and cyber protection terminology we hear a lot, but maybe a bit too embarrassed to admit we don't fully understand. Uh, and we'll explore the different types of cyber attack and risks that face small businesses today. So you can be a bit more alert to the risks they pose and also educate any of the staff that you may have to make sure that they're also well equipped um, to to stop any attacks. Um, to help us do that, we're joined by two small business cyber experts. Nick Marsden is the Managing Director of Sortit, an IT consultancy that helps small businesses with their IT infrastructure, meaning Nick can help us understand some of those terms uh, we've probably heard but don't, don't quite understand. And Helen Barge is Managing Director of Risk Evolves, a risk consultancy that helps businesses evade the dangers of malicious and accidental risks from cyber. Um, and those risks include, you know, regulatory problems, reputational damage and disrupted operations. Uh, so Nick is going to kick us off by exploring some of the things that you need to know around IT and cyber prevention. And then Helen will follow on by talking around some of the different types of attacks. Uh, Nick, thanks for joining us. Um, I thought a really good place to start would just be um, by, you know, you sharing a bit of your experience of small business owners, IT knowledge and expertise. This is obviously a, a complicated area and it's changing all the time. Um, quite quite expectedly, a lot of people don't, don't have a lot of knowledge around this space, right? Um, that's quite correct, John. Yeah. Um, what we tend to find with... Um owners is they're very good at their particular space so if they're a forestry business or they're an accounting business that that's their that area of expertise um, when you come down to the, um, the the cyber side a lot of them especially in the small uh, small business area are why would they attack me um, you know the, the free antivirus I've got AV I've had for years seems to be doing a good job um, the Wi-Fi point that I bought um, seems to be okay. My internet's quite quick, um, but it's a home-based version, but it's doing the job. Um, and, and quite often, um, and this doesn't go for all um, small businesses, but a lot of um, small businesses treat IT similar to marketing and some of the other soft services that it's a necessary evil and um, budgets are always um, you know, very tight around that area. And, and that's where they quite often fall down that, you know, a free piece of antivirus software isn't going to do the same job as a, you know, a decent piece of antivirus software. But £30 a year is, is not a lot of money to make sure you're protected. So uh, 
that's what we generally find. They're, they're either scrimping and saving and, 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 and not spending the money where they need to, or on the other hand, I, we do have some customers who, who are so ultra cautious um, about IT that they've actually gone completely the other way and they, they've got all sorts of things that they'll never need. Um, so it's an interesting uh, arena at the moment. Yeah, and that stuff's understandable because, you know, um, as, you, as you alluded to at the start, small business owners and managers, you know, are not IT specialists. They're, they're, they want to focus on their core activities and uh, growing their business and, uh, and, and their day-to-day activities rather than thinking about IT. But there's loads of, um, you know, common IT terms and uh, IT protection uh, tools and software that we hear about quite a bit, but we probably don't understand. Uh, I think you're going to give us a bit of a run through of some of those, um, just so people can can have a bit of a better understanding. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we talk about, or or you'll read a lot about sort of malware, ransomware, and those sort of things, and and they all really fall under one thing: that they're viruses that have been written to destroy, damage, um, and proliferate themselves through the internet ransomware being a particularly bad one that locks all the files in your your computer and on your server and any of your data that you're connected to and then you have to pay uh to 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 whoever's done it some money so you can actually get all your data back um and with quite simple protection like an antivirus solution doing a proper backup taking your data off site you can prevent those sort of attacks from actually happening um People will talk about firewalls. Um, so firewalls within a business prevents, A, people attacking you from the outside, but also can be used to prevent your employees going to dodgy sites. Um, they can filter emails as they come in. They can stop um, the ransomware attacks at the front door. So um, so firewalls are, are really useful. Routers. Um, that's what actually connects you to the internet. Um, so it's your, it's your little BT hub in the corner. And again, they have firewalls and all sorts of things built into them to actually help a business if they're ever used. Um, a lot of the industry is now talking about 2FA or multi-factor authentication by where, you know, you're all familiar with when you go to your bank account, you have to put a code in from somewhere. Um, there's so many companies that are not using 2FA to protect their email accounts. Um, so, you know, if, if, if a hacker gets your password for your email account, um, they, they could spend a week looking at what your business does, who you send invoices to, how you get into your bank, who your contacts are, and then they can formulate some sort of attack to actually get money out of you by extortion or by emailing your base with a, a new bank account, new bank account details, or all sorts of stuff. So there's, there's I, I guess the other thing that's really important is patching and up, updates and stuff. People don't don't do that enough. Um, they don't see a need for it. But when Microsoft release some new patches, which they do regularly every other week, there is a there's a whole range of patches come out from Microsoft. They are basically publishing a shopping list to hackers to say we are vulnerable here. This is how you get in, but, but this is how we've stopped them. And if you don't reboot your computer at least every week, then the patches don't take effect, and you're basically just leaving yourself open to a, to a cyber attack. So it's, it's really important that this, all these things that we spout, you know, do a patch, reboot your computer, um, 
even things like encrypting your laptop. You know, we, we've got customers who take customer information out, you know, well, when they could go out before COVID, you know, they'd be on the train or they'd be out and about with a laptop full of data that's sensitive to their various customers and they don't bother encrypting. And from an IT perspective, you know, if, if you gave me your laptop and it's not encrypted, within five minutes, I can rip all the data off your machine and get all your passwords and all your contacts off there without any issue at all. So, um, you know, we don't do it. We, we prevent people from doing it, but it's it happens. So you, you've, got to, you've got to stop that sort of stuff. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, and even, you know, listening to the, the terminology you're using there, um, that's a very top-level overview. Um, but still, there's an awful lot of terms there that, 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 that people won't understand or won't have a, uh, a very clear understanding of. Um, and as we alluded to before, small business owners want to concentrate on their, their core activities. They're not IT specialists. So what are their options for, for managing this? You know, um, if, they, if they're not in a position to get up to speed themselves or they're not IT savvy, what are their different routes to getting somebody to help them with this? Right. Well, so, yeah, there's, there's, there's different ways to look at this. As, as an MD myself, before I launch into anything, whether looking at accounting or marketing or anything like that, I will have a look around and see what I understand. So um, I, th- I think an MD should be armed with, or, or at least go out and have a look at um, the landscape of the market and what MSPs are offering and, and, and what he thinks or she thinks um, they should be doing. But it's like marketing or it's like accountancy. And, you know, I've got an accountant and I've got a marketing person because I'm not good at it. It's not my skill. Um, so I think I think any MD of a small business, whether they take an, an, a Microsoft service provider or, or an IT company and use them for all of their support or they use them for some consultancy and some advice to get the right things in, I, I think that's the approach they should take. You know, obviously, I'm, I'm in business to, to sell my services, but um, you know, if your accountant's not doing the job you need him to do, you go and look at another accountant, don't you? And, and IT, I guess, as a business owner, I don't know what I don't know. So I don't know the whole of the accounts yet envelope, and I don't know the whole of the marketing envelope, but I know a lot about IT, and that's what our customers get from us, and that's what I think. Think a small business when they go to their IT provider, they've got to trust their IT provider is giving them the facts, um, the correct way to look at stuff, and and pertinent, modern, and up to date advice about what's going on at the moment within the industry. I mean, and even within our customer base, we protect we protect them with two FA. We we do as much advice as we possibly can. We are seeing within our own customer base at least two, two, two or three times a week, one of our customers falls for a phishing campaign. Even though they've had an educated phishing campaign to look at, the stuff is moving so fast that you do need to stay on top of it. Um, and, you, and you need to go to an expert. You need to talk to people who know what they're doing and are having to stay up to date like all of the IT providers are. We're, we're being forced to stay up to date by the hackers. That's that's the sad fact of life at the moment, right? Yeah, that's interesting that you talk about how fast moving it is. And I want to turn to some of the um, the, the the threats and risks to businesses. And I'll bring Helen in. Helen, thanks for, for joining us. Um, you know, 
there's there's a lot of different risks and they seem to be evolving all the time and presumably that 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 makes it all the more difficult for for small businesses to keep up does it yeah, absolutely absolutely the the cyber criminals seem to be one step ahead of us all the time and and it's really important therefore to take a lot of the advice that Nick's given you so you know subscribing to newsletters that will give you an update on what those current threats are really really important the national cybersecurity center for example puts out a lot of good information on what the current threat actors are so where the where the risks are that we're seeing but actually there's also other other forums as well so a number of local authorities and county councils all have cyber crime organizations to support um businesses the uh each of the regional organized crime units have organizations within them that to support businesses and most importantly i think one of the new organizations which has been set up set up across the uk are now the cyber resilience centers. So if you Google cyber resilience centers, they are not for profit organizations that have been set up with supported by the police, supported by national government to help businesses understand how they can become um, less uh, exposed to cyber risk. That's brilliant and, and, and really helpful resources there. Um, what are some of the pertinent risks um, and threats facing small businesses? Right now, I know we've talked about it moving fast and evolving quickly, but what are some of the um, the common ones that we're seeing right now? Uh, Nick's alluded to them already. The, the two that we see most frequently are, are business email compromise, and that's through phishing emails, and then also ransomware att- attacks as well. And again, they tend to have their source in those phishing emails. And when we talk about phishing emails, I think it's really important that us as business owners think about how we can educate every single member of staff you know, a cyber criminal only needs to be lucky once to get into our system and systems. And we need to be lucky 100% of the time to try and keep these guys out of our systems. And therefore, we have to apply, employ every resource that we have available. It's not just about technical resources. You know, Nick's guys, for example, do a great job, but they need our support as well. So we need to understand what a phishing resource looks like, phishing email looks like. And, and you know, we are as, as likely to receive them at home as we are to receive them at work. And unfortunately, the cyber criminal has adapted as well. So he's not just phishing now on our computers. We're hearing things about phishing, which is voice fraud. We're hearing about smishing, which is SMS text messages that you're receiving on your phone. They're using every platform that's available to to really extort information about you. And one of the ways that we can all protect ourselves is to think about the information that we're just putting out there in the public domain each and every day. You know, think about what you're putting out on social media and who can see that information from a social media perspective. So if a criminal will will craft something that's called a spear phishing email, so that's where they're targeting very, very specific persons within an organisation and they design it based on some of the information that perhaps you're putting out there on social media. So who are you connecting with? Where you're going on holiday, uh, where you're going for meetings, you know, obviously these are the times when we were out there doing meetings, but also who perhaps you're connecting with on those tools such as LinkedIn. If they can gather information and craft it to something that looks feasible and send it to somebody in your organization such that they react to it, and this is where some of the invoice fraud has its has its basis, then then there's a, there's all sorts of things that we can do to reduce that threat within our organizations. Yeah, and what jumps out for me there is the different entry points. You know, it's not just on premises or or through your email that that you're at risk you know with people increasingly working at home uh they might be on a less secure network for example um as you say the activity that they're doing on social media 
um, or other information about themselves that people can then leverage to gain their trust, they're all entry points and access points, aren't they? So, so it feels like it's much more, much more complex than than just the you know the obvious entry points. Absolutely. So, you know, free Wi-Fi, for example. You know, my mm. children think that access to the internet is some sort of you know right that they should have. Yeah, and it probably is. Not being funny, they get an awful lot, and especially obviously as we've been in lockdown, access to the internet for them has been exceptionally important. But actually, using free Wi-Fi may probably is probably not the most secure way, especially if you're thinking about doing financial transactions. Don't do them over free Wi-Fi. Think about just tethering using your phone, connect via a four G signal on your phone. And you are automatically going to reduce that threat a weedy bit and therefore help to protect your information. That's brilliant. And then I guess, you know, uh, well, you've both mentioned that, you know, we're doing all we can try and stay one step ahead of the the hackers, but they're moving fast. If a business is compromised, Helen, I mean, um, what what are the sort of immediate steps they can take or the first things they should do? Talk to their IT provider if they have one. Mm-hmm. If they haven't got one, then there are organisations such as Action Fraud and such as the police who will help them. Within the UK, we have a problem that we aren't reporting crime enough to the police. I, I work with um, the West Midland Cyber Resilience Centre and they are estimating that somewhere in the region about 1% to 2% of all cyber crime is reported to them. That, that gives them a problem. Uh, because clearly it gives, they haven't got a huge amount to investigate and, that, and how they can prevent. But Action Fraud and the police have actually got teams behind them that can help you. Um, and, and that would be my first starting point. Uh, certainly, Nick, I'm sure, is going to advise to make sure that you've got backups. Make sure your backups are up to date um, and are regularly tested to make sure that they actually work. Yeah, absolutely. And I just wanted to come back on one point you you touched on very briefly earlier on, which was around educating your staff um you know small businesses might might employ saturday staff or more casual staff um who won't be as up to speed on their internal processes or their it processes um and that presumably creates a risk uh, and another entry point how essential is it to, to make sure all staff are fully trained for this um, absolutely, absolutely, and and that's from you know somebody as you say the Saturday staff, the receptionist, the MD, the CFO, the marketing person, your suppliers, um, they all need to have exactly the same approach and value to maintaining your systems as as, as you yourself do. And and in terms of cost, a lot of the t- things that Nick and I have spoken about are really really not hugely costly. You know, from an education perspective, there is a lot of very very good free education out there that's available. Um, the Metropolitan Police produce a great number of really short two or three minute cybersecurity videos. The National Cybersecurity Centre produce really great information on how you can rehearse an event, how you can prepare for if something happens within your business, what would you do? And, and, and we all know that prevention is better than cure. And if, if there is a problem, it's much better to be prepared than to be thinking, oh, my, where do I go next? And of course, this is an FSB podcast, so we have to mention, of course, the value of the FSB membership and having cyber insurance behind us as well. Um, I would always recommend that companies look to prevent rather than relying on your cyber insurance. But if you do have a cyber insurance policy and something goes wrong, make sure that you know the details of that cyber insurance policy and who to call. Remembering, of course, your laptop may be subject to ransomware. You may not have access to perhaps the FSB website. So this is going to be one of those few instances where I actually say, Print it. Print a copy of what the what those insurance details are, and just record them somewhere. Yeah, that's brilliant. Thank you, and thank you for sharing those resources. That's really useful, Helen. And then, you know, I'd like to ask both of you um, before we wrap up um, a little bit about the impact that some of these 
um, cyber attacks can have. I mean, you know, the obvious thing is is financial impact with things like ransomware. Um, there's obviously disruption to your operations as well. We've read lots of stories about firms, you know, being unable to continue operating, but it goes even further than that, doesn't it? I mean, Nick, I'll come to you first, if that's all right. Yeah, it does. Um, I just wanted to add one thing to Helen on the, sure. the, the national cyber, the, uh, this something called exercise in a box. And Helen's probably seen that as well. That's a really useful free tool for organizations to actually do some cyber, cyber training internally. Um, so it basically runs them through an, an attack and what they would do and, and right. how they cope with it. So, but coming back to your question, um, the, the, from our perspective, we can we we can do cloud backup. We we can we can tell business owners to do all sorts of things. And some business owners simply don't get the fact that if a piece of ransomware strikes and they haven't taken their backup backup home that night because they they do a USB backup, um, that the ransomware will hit the USB backup as well as all their computers, and and that's it. Backup's gone. So. Um, it's backup, 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 and then get your ISP or the MSP to show you that the backup works. So once a month, maybe they should come to you and say, "Yeah, we've just restored this file. This, this is your backup. It works." So it's not just a, a trust thing that, because as an IT provider, you know we're 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 outsourced. We're not physically on premise. So if the backup device is beeping because somebody's turned the power off, um, it won't be able to tell us it's off necessarily because we don't, and we don't know. If they haven't actually put the USB device in that night to do the backup, we won't know to the following morning when the backup's failed. So there's a lot of, the, whilst there's onus on us to provide a service that works, there's, there's the onus on the actual client to, watch, to, to do the same stuff, to do the things that they're supposed to do. That's from an operational perspective and from from a financial perspective. um, What I always say to our clients is if you do not take this data off site, then if you do have a problem, your insurance won't cover you. They'll cover you for, you know, if you have a fire or you get hacked, you'll get maybe covered for operational restoration, but not for data loss. And if you've got 20 years worth of data that's absolutely irreplaceable, that's it. Your business is down the pan. There's nothing you can do. So, Helen? Yeah. I would add, you know, as if any of us have got business premises, we're all really good at making sure that we lock the door when we leave. We've got burglar alarms on it. We've probably got some fire extinguishers. We may have fire alarms and smoke alarms, et cetera. We, we need to think about our business data in exactly the same way as we do our physical assets, our physical premises and so on. And, and as Nick's just said, I, I firmly believe if you could put a value on data and put it on the balance sheet, we would all have a slightly different view of how, about how we should manage it. There are some horrible stories out there, and they aren't—they absolutely aren't—they uh, aren't fiction. You know, we've heard of businesses that very sadly have failed. They've had a ransomware attack, and they—they've not been able to recover. Um, there's lots of stats around. If you pay a ransom, you're four times more likely to be attacked again. Than if you if obviously you take precautionary um, measures to prevent the ransomware in the first place. Um, this is all about prevention, um, and unfortunately, the cure is all about us working together at you know people, process, technology, and leadership to make sure that these criminals do not get in. That's a brilliant uh, note for us to uh, wrap on. So th- thanks very much for that, Ellen and Nick, for your your contributions too. 
Um, that brings us to the end of the of the podcast on cyber threats facing small businesses. I'd like to thank uh, both our participants, Helen and Nick, for sharing such brilliant insights uh, and for making this session so useful and practical. Um, thank you also to our audience for listening. Please do subscribe to the First Voice podcast to receive regular updates and guidance on the big issues affecting small businesses. Uh, and please visit firstvoice.fsb.org.uk for lots, of, uh, lots more small business content and information. Many thanks for listening. Thank you.